the friendship four has come to a close. UMass loses a really tough finish in the shootout, but overall it was a really good weekend. We have all the details for this game and a little bit more coming up. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 54 of High Character. We are live from London right now recording this one as we are about to recap uh, what ends up being a 2-2 to -two tie to the number four team in the country, Quinnipiac, but uh, a loss in the shootout of the friendship for Quinnipiac raises that Bell Pot trophy. So uh, vibes were a little bit down right after the game, but um, UMass did in the end tie the number four team in the country. My name is Cameron, and I am joined by my good buddy, Evan. Evan, how you doing, man? Ah, split split emotions. My voice is completely shot, so bear with me throughout this episode, if you don't mind. Um, Yeah, I mean, in the moment, I felt god-awful. I was probably about five or six ciders in, so <laughs> definitely had some things working against me, you know, in terms of pure emotions, but... Yeah, now that I've kind of, you know, we're recording this now Monday night, we've had two days to stew on it just because we've been so busy doing other stuff on our travels. I I kind of, I don't know if it's cope, but I feel better. You know what I mean? Like, Quinnipiac, admittedly, is a good team. We put on a very solid showing ourselves. You know what I mean? Like New rankings are out, and they're number two this week. Exactly. So. You know, like, realistically, I think I saw a stat earlier today, like, we're 2-0-1 and one against the top two teams currently, because Denver is yeah. currently ranked number one, like... It's crazy. We, we can we can hang with the big boys, we know this, and I think, I think this game was just another kind of validation of that. I think we definitely put a, put a really, really good foot forward, you know, in that game, and, you know, we always hear you get what you deserve. I... I don't know. I feel like this was kind of a tough pill to swallow. I think we, we might have deserved a little more, and I think it was just a couple of, you know, it, it's a freaking shootout, dude. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's such a freaking stupid way to end a tournament. Like, I get it. You don't want to go continuous overtime for, you know, three years, you know, if the freaking, if nobody scores, like, whatever. But, yeah, it's a little unfortunate, but I've, I've definitely come to terms with it, and I, I understand that, you know, that was kind of the way that the game played out. Yeah, it it was an unfortunate ending to see, obviously, another team raise a trophy against you. You never want that. But at the end of the day, got to remember the positives. It's November. They've already had uh, three solid performances against top two teams in the country, which is really good to say. And at the end of the day, they had they had really good fight to get back in this one, get it to overtime, and get it to the shootout. Uh, Quinnipiac won in basically every stat category besides mm -hmm. the score uh, through overtime. So... Uh, I guess you you can't say UMass totally deserved yeah. to win with seeing all those, and uh, well, they definitely have their struggles in the shootout. I, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but yeah, um, yeah, still, I I think a solid performance, a solid weekend altogether. You beat a number fourteen Lowell, tie number four Quinnipiac. So, um, I think out of the four teams that were in this friendship four, I think UMass really benefited the most holistically from it yeah 100 percent. and i mean again like just kind of looking at the overall big picture like you kind of have to take into account some of the context like that the team was going through before we kind of all came over to belfast to watch them play like five game losing streak up until the unh game we get a pretty 
it was it was a bit of a rough one, at least at first, and then we started to kick into gear. We beat UNH at the end of the day. We only had one one win on our streak going into Belfast. You know, you, we weren't really sure what team we were gonna see. You know, like we're obviously gonna be hopeful. We're gonna back the boys whenever possible, but recent results showed it was a little bit tough at that moment, and we weren't really sure how we were gonna come out in Belfast, and we came out really well. I think now undefeated in our last three games. You know, two wins and a tie. It, I mean, yeah, obviously it can get better than that. You can get three wins, but <laughs> it's still a really, really solid showing in the grand scheme of things. And I think I've used the word momentum, I think, in every single episode for the past, like, four or five episodes now. And I'm going to use it again because it's extremely important. Like, we're, we're going to be playing against Lowell next week. Number yeah. 17 now. Yeah, and I think we play against Merrimack right after that. And Number think, 12 right exactly. now. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean... We we have more really important tests in front of us, but I think that strong showings against these two really solid teams are going to pave the way for some future success. Future success. So I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good going forward. Yeah, and after the uh, the BU series, we talked about it the um, the difficult upcoming schedule of the next five games, and so uh, obviously. Um, was the road wasn't getting any easier for UMass and like you said they're um they're undefeated in that time so good signs for sure definitely love to see the team get up uh back at Mullins for the first time in three weeks come Friday so that'll be good so uh before we get too ahead of ourselves let's let's talk about this game a little bit um championship of the friendship for uh the night game in Belfast Arena was packed. The atmosphere the whole weekend was really awesome from the, the locals. They really get into it. Um, I'm not sure why more people were cheering for Quinnipiac. I'm not sure if they did something to get the locals to rally behind them a little bit more. A little bit lost on that one. I don't know. The only the only guess that I have in my mind is that they look at the, the, the number in front of every team's, you know, they look at the ranking mm-hmm. and they see that Quinnipiac's the highest rank. So they said, all right, we're going we're gonna to do a little bit of glory hunting here. Yeah. We're going to... We're gonna do some trophy chasing, so they're they're just gonna automatically rally around what they perceive to be the best team using yeah. the rankings and the stats in front of them. Because I'm not trying to like diss the people of Belfast. They have their own team. They definitely, you know, every if you're if you're living around Belfast and you're going to to this game, you're a pretty solid hockey fan. Like you mm-hmm. you you know what's going on. So I'm not gonna immediately like just discredit them and be like, oh well, you know, they're just gonna immediately gravitate towards the best team, but. I I, gen, I mean, all signs kind of just pointed to that. I think yeah. especially most of them are going to be neutral fans just because mm-hmm. they just want to see good hockey at the end of the day. You know, they most of them most likely don't have a dog in the fight unless you're traveling from overseas, you know, like where, where we're all coming from. We're obviously going to have a pretty big dog in the fight. But if you're just a Belfast local, you just want to see some good hockey, and they probably expected that the most out of the highest-ranked team. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, for to give them credit, they we've had a lot of, people from Northern Ireland interact with our stuff on social media and follow us lately, like a a shocking amount to us. Um, So they're big hockey fans. They know what they're talking about. And uh, what they lacked for cheers for UMass, we made up for with our UMass contingent that was there. We were were pretty loud. So um, all was good. As we get into this game, um, UMass played pretty hard, it seemed like, in the beginning and throughout the entirety of this game, really until the end of the third, they um, were thwarted by Quinnipiac. We talked about their defense coming in, and no surprise, it was it was on on Saturday night. They looked really good defensively. UMass didn't get any real solid chances, and then UMass finally gives up a penalty, uh, gives up a power play, and 
was one of those tic-tac-toe deke in the slot Quinnipiac up one nothing. yeah this was a really weird one to watch too because when i saw it live my first initial thought was just why is luke pavisic on his ass and like why <laughs> why is he not in the best possible position to make the play on the puck and i've looked back at it a couple of times and it's just kind of one of those inexplicable things like i mean i don't know if it was one of our own players that like just kind of like tapped his skate or something like that and he loses his balance it's regardless of having your goalie you know not really be in the best position to make the play there it was such a well-worked opportunity just to begin with it may not have even mattered all that much you know what i mean like he was just in a really high scoring percentage you know area right there and it was a pretty decent shot at the end of the day so i mean we had a lot of things working against us on that play, you know, just from from the power play to just it being really, really well played by Quinnipiac. And, again, some sort of sniper in the building that just managed to take out Pavisic from a distance. I have no idea how it happened. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we just, you know, we had three things go against us there, and that's three strikes and you're out. You know yeah. what I mean? It just, it really sucked there. But, yeah, it, it definitely was not an ideal start to the game, and I was – not feeling amazing because I feel like when we were kind of doing the preview for this game, we really didn't want Quinnipiac to take the lead because they're really, really solid defensively. And if they take a lead, they're most likely going to be able to hold it. Mm-hmm. So I was I was extremely concerned right from the jump. Yeah, and uh, whatever happened to Pavisers there, at the end of the day, it was one of those back and forth across the slot tic-tac-toe yeah. goals. So like, you really don't have much of a chance to defend it when, you, when you're not getting sticks on the puck. So... Um, yeah, that that made it one nothing, and that's how the first period ended. Uh, another start where we see UMass give up a power play goal. Um, we've really asked them to be more disciplined lately. It seemed like they gave up a lot of penalties and a lot of goals on the power play recently. So um, another sign that that's not exactly working on all cylinders for them right now. We go to the second, um, kind of more of the same. Quinnipiac kind of stuffing UMass at any chance they can get, but. UMass locked down on defense in this period as well. They didn't really give up too many high quality chances. I think the shots were only like eight to six in this yeah. period. So like not many chances at all for either team. So um, yeah, it ended scoreless as well. So just a, a really hard fought defensive period in the second. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a pretty solid period. I think the effort was a little bit better for UMass. And I mean, we, we like, I kind of feel bad. Like whenever we talk about like taking penalties like that, because it's never as easy as just saying, we'll just work harder. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, Quinnipiac is a really solid team, and I think the thing that I noticed the most about watching them, at least in the first period, was that their skating was top-notch. They were really, really good just on the puck, you know, like shielding the puck whenever they can, you know, just being really agile, their body position, which is really good. So, I mean, they're a really, really tough team to kind of take the puck away from, mm-hmm. and I think, obviously, that's going to lend themselves to drawing more penalties because you kind of have to start to snatch and grab at the puck whenever you can just to try and at least make a remote play on it. So I really can't, you know, blame us all that much for the penalties because Quinnipiac was just quite frankly a very, very solid team in those mm-hmm. first two periods. But yeah, like you said, in that second period, it was more of the same. But I think we did improve quite a bit. I think we we were kind of just matching them more stride for stride and stick for stick. You know, there was kind of a greasy period there wasn't really a whole lot of massive high quality chances it was just kind of solid end-to-end hockey where we we were more or less just trying to keep ourselves in the game rather mm-hmm. than try and you know snatch it away and I mm-hmm. think that kind of lended ourselves more to what we were trying to do in the third period because if you get into the third period down one 
you, you can come back. You know what yeah. I mean? But we wanted to make sure that we didn't have, you know, a 2 nothing, a 3 nothing game going into the third. We just wanted to keep it as close as humanly possible. Yeah, and one thing that uh, Evan and I talked about after this period ended, through 40 minutes, you it didn't, at least to us, seemed like UMass had one odd man rush opportunity. Yeah. So that just kind of shows you how good Quinnipiac's defense was at handling those kinds of things. So we go to the third, and for the first 15 minutes of the third, kind of more of the same, just defensive hockey, uh, kind of stuffing each other at every chance. We saw the um, the effort and enthusiasm level of UMass go up. They they started playing a lot harder with 10 minutes left in the third. Kind of kind of would have liked to seen that effort throughout the entire game, but understand how that could be draining to the players. Might not last through 60 minutes, but we saw their their energy take a. Um, a big jump, but yeah, we see uh, one chance that we didn't get in the first two periods with five minutes into the third. Uh, we see a pass from Kenny Connors that uh, we don't have videos of these goals for some reason. UMass didn't post videos, so we're going off pure memory right here. But yeah. uh, from what we remember, Kenny Connors split split two defenders up the middle, left Taylor McCarr on a breakaway, and Taylor tied the game with uh, 15 minutes left in the third. And that one. Uh, got us going pretty good in the crowd, the UMass contingent. That place absolutely erupted. Like, again, I was probably completely destroyed at that point. You know what I mean? So I was basically hanging on for dear life, just praying that we can get a goal there. And it just, it felt amazing. You know what I mean? Like, everybody was going absolutely insane. It was it was a wonderful goal. Um, Again, trying to remember it to the best of my ability, I think he just kind of took a forehand shot, and I think mm-hmm. it kind of just went... It wasn't really like a fancy deke or anything crazy. At least I could be completely wrong here. So if someone wants to call me out if they remember the goal better. UMass, please post your goals. Yeah, like, I, like, <laughs> yeah. It's all. I'm pretty sure it was all on Nesson. Like Quinnipiac uh-huh. kind of had all their stuff out there. So just you know, I don't know if we have to take better videos ourselves just to make sure that we get it. We're like, just trying to watch the game. It's, man. <laughs> it's really tough. Like so. We ain't getting paid for this. Yeah, we're trying our best <laughs> to keep the content out yeah. for you guys. But good lord, man, it gets tough sometimes. But um. Yeah, really awesome moment to tie up the game there. And, I mean, I, how much time was left at this point? I think 15 minutes. Yeah, so we still had yeah. a little bit of game to go. But, I mean, all it takes is one to get back into it. You know, we were thinking, all right, tie game. We can make something happen here. And I was very excited at our prospects moving forward. Yeah, this game uh, really got hard fought. Both teams playing real hard with yep. the last 10 minutes or so. And with five minutes left in the period, we just get a really – Really bad hooking penalty called on Eric Faith that puts Quinnipiac on the power play for two of the last five minutes in this game. And immediately, uh, it's kind of what you expected to happen when you take a penalty in that time. It did happen. We see a shot from the high point uh, get rebounded, immediately put in on the doorstep by a Quinnipiac player to make it. Two to one with four minutes left in this game. Yeah, so I think the best way I would describe this one is just an immediate ball buster. Like this, this sucks. You mm-hmm. know what? Like, I think you know you only have five. You know, was it four minutes left in the game up at this point? And especially another man advantage. God, please, the right kill. Yeah, Figure the, it the hell out. Like, the writing was on the wall when it, they took the penalty. I know. It just it really. I wasn't feeling good at that moment just because. We had, we had already gotten punished on the penalty kill once, you know, that night. And mm-hmm. for it to happen again was just, it was like the straw that broke my theoretical camel's back. Like, you know, it was just, I literally like just slumped down in my chair in just pure agony. Like I was looking at my Fitbit. I think I had like a cool like 130 heart rate. 
Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like, dude, what the hell? Like, just how seriously I take watching these games, it completely destroys my mental state. But, uh, yeah, that really just... I, I genuinely thought that was the dagger at that point. Like, I don't... I never want to give up on it. You know what I mean? But just, like... Like you said, the writing's on the wall there. You know what I mean? Like, just getting done in by, by two power play goals against. And then, you know, we were already having really tough times getting things going offensively up mm-hmm. until this point. You know, like, we had that one Taylor McCarr chance that happened to be a breakthrough. But other than that, I don't, like, we had, you know, a couple of dangerous shots, but nothing that was really, like, challenging the goalie. I think we were doing a decent enough job to get into, like, semi-dangerous areas but we just didn't have that killer instinct to finish it off you mm-hmm. know like we our passing and our puck movement i think has taken really really big strides like it looks really really solid but it's just the the final end product at times it just doesn't seem like you know like for example i'm trying to throw it back to the unh game like we gave that unh player i forget who it was off the top of my head on the penalty kill dude had about 18 acres of space between him and everybody else and he just puts it top corner Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that all that often. Like, most of the times when we're scoring, we're putting it, like, underneath a goalie's pad. Like, we're still, you know, or, like, underneath his armpit or something like that. Like, it always seems like we're shooting center mass and just praying that the goalie misses it rather than picking our spot knowing that the goalie can't get to it. Like, I don't know. It's it's just been something that I've picked up on recently. So, just knowing some offensive struggles that we have, it really, really concerned me that we were that we were down at this. Yeah, point. especially with a team that has this good of a defense. Yeah. But uh, you, one guy that did find that killer instinct, just thirty seconds later, we see Michael Cameron use his speed up the sideboards, and he just he tucks one home, and makes it two to two, and that was uh, unreal feeling with about four and a half minutes left to get that goal, and, and three and a half minutes yeah, left. Yeah, and again. I went absolutely bananas, like, and everybody else did as well. I mean, it was just an unbelievable, you know, turn of events. You know what I mean? Like, I went from tie game, lowest of lows, wanting to genuinely die, to the highest of highest, thinking, holy crap, we might be able to actually pull this off. Like, it was a complete roller coaster. And, like I said, I mean, we we saw this out of Michael Cameron earlier this season as well. Like, his speed Mm -hmm. to get into just those areas that, some people just can't. Are they're not really... high scoring areas? They're... Exactly. That's the thing, though, is that like I think he's he's very good at being able to take advantage of like soft spots in the defense yeah. because the defense will kind of hold off a little bit. Like they're not gonna immediately attack the loose puck to try and pull it away because they're thinking to themselves, no one's gonna get here in time. You know what I mean? Like we can take a second, play it, play it smart. But Michael Cameron's rushing like a bat out of hell. Like <laughs> he he was he was doing like Lautenbach stuff where he's just out here. Little chicken with his head cut off type yep. deal, like we talked about before. Like, that except was, it seems like he has the finishing ability from yeah, what we've seen so far yeah, this season. Well, it looks pretty good. Yeah, no, he definitely. I mean, I don't think it was like the prettiest of shots. I don't think yeah. it was, you know, like it was nothing. But he he got into the area, he put it on net, and he put it away, and that's really what matters. And you know, fair play to Michael Cameron. He's been, I think, his just it's mainly his speed. I feel like mm-hmm. he just very tenacious and just knows how to take advantage of small slip-ups by by the defense because they're not expecting his sort of pace, you know, and, you know, speed of the, uh, speed to his game. Mm-hmm. So that was absolutely huge. I mean, an amazing moment right there. And I really thought, like, you know, if we can if we can equalize and keep up that sort of momentum, I was like, there's no way we're, we're losing this game now. Like, we just tied it back up. And like we were talking about in the preview, if we get three, we were putting ourselves in a good chance to win. Mm-hmm. You know, like... 
You were saying that we pretty much guaranteed a win if we could get three goals I was, in this game. I was basically under the assumption that we were going to keep them to two goals or less. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, that was kind of my mindset when I was going into the into the preview of the game, and ended up, you know, being true, you know, and it just, I don't want. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm going to spoil it. It's been two days after the game now. I think everybody knows what happened, <laughs> but it just really sucks that we couldn't break through from that moment on. You know what I mean? Like we. You know, if we want to start getting into the overtime stuff now, you might want to say the little wrap-up to the period, I guess. But. Yeah, just after this goal, the energy in the crowd was absolutely electric. They yeah. did a um, – there was a face-off with less than a minute left, and they did a um, get-loud graphic on the yep. scoreboard. The crowd didn't stop screaming, like, at full volume for – I'm not exaggerating, a full two minutes. Yeah, just straight full scream that they couldn't drop the puck, so the ref had to skate away yep. and just wait it out. So um, unreal atmosphere in the SSC arena, and both teams were playing up to it in the end of the third, which was cool to see. But like you said, this one went to overtime. Uh, both defenses were able to hold until then. And we get to this overtime period, three on three. We're not huge fans of it. It's kind of just a possession battle. Um didn't really turn out fruitless for either team. Each team had their chances. Possession was pretty even, but uh, yep. yeah, nothing, nothing too notable about it. I think the only thing I can remember at the time, I think we might have ran crossbar. I'm pretty sure. It, I don't know if it was us or Quinnipiac, but I remember specifically that there was a crossbar ringer at some point, and I, regardless of who did it, because again, I don't remember at this point, it made my heart drop. Regardless, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Either if it was for UMass, I think or it was Quinnipiac. It might have been. Yeah, I guess remember something was hitting the post, and it was a pretty loud ping. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, did that go in? Like, yeah. I'm staring directly. It went bar ref. down. Yeah. It, I was staring at the yeah. ref the whole time, and he did the, the whole washout mm-hmm. move. You know, I was feeling feeling a little bit better after that. But, yeah, I mean, I guess that was kind of the only main notable moment. And just just wanted to reiterate how much I freaking hate three-on-three overtime. Like, it, it goes from the most boring hockey I can ever ever think of seeing in my life to the most exciting way too quickly mm-hmm. and that i don't know like that might sound like a really weird thing to complain about but like it's just it's not hockey no exactly like it's it, it's like it's like i don't know if anybody's ever played like nfl street on like the playstation or whatever but like that that's like saying that that's football you know what i mean like that's a weird seven on seven like bastardized version it's literally that, that old nhl 3v3 arcade exactly game. like it's yeah. not legitimate it's not true to the sport you know it's an offshoot it's its own separate mode and it really I, should be four on four at the bare, yeah. yeah. Honestly, I mean, if it's four on four, it's more a, space and stuff. Yeah, it's at least a plausible outcome of like, all right, you get matching penalties, you might do some four on four hockey for yeah. a bit. That that happens. You're never gonna have a normal, you know, if you're sitting, if you're playing the game in the middle of the second period, right, and the game's four to one, there's never gonna be a situation where you're actually playing three on three hockey. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way there was like a line brawl, and they're just like, all right, everybody in the bench, there's only these three guys out here for the rest. Yeah. of them. Like, no. It just doesn't happen. So I've been a little critical and annoyed, you know. And I would have been realistically saying the same thing if we won. I mean, I'd be a lot happier when I'm saying it. But, I mean, I still would hold the same opinion. Yeah. Three on three sucks, you know what I mean? Yeah, and we feel the same way about the shootout. Uh, Like you said, would be saying it uh, regardless of what happened in this game. But really good outcome for UMass. We we can't skip up by that to finish out overtime and get the tie. Yeah. Um, To show the fight to tie this game twice in the third period was just really solid to see and you get a tie against the number four team in the country which like uh definitely helps your national outlook on yourself so 
good on UMass. I think before the shootout even starts, um, it's a mental win. Like it's a good, it's a good weekend, good bounce back, uh, last three games. So you can't really be too upset, but you do really want to take this shootout to get that bell pot. Um, it's tough to see a tournament end in a shootout Mm -hmm. really shouldn't when there's a trophy on the line, but they had to get the trophy out somehow. This is how they do it in the NCAA. So, uh, it's been a pattern we've we've seen a little bit from UMass in the shootouts, not being able to get it done. And you uh, Quinnipiac gets one goal in the shootout, and that's what that's what ends it. They end up ringing that bell, and it was it was tough in the moment. Yeah, I mean, just the goal that we gave up. I don't know. It's it's, it's a tough one. I mean, it was a pretty simple backhand forehand move, and I mean, I'm pretty sure Pav got a pretty solid piece of it on his blocker, and it just kind of trickles by him. We'll we'll have all of the goals from the shootout in the vlog. I actually videoed them, so you probably won't find them on Twitter on the official teams thing, but I have them. So to be fair, I'm pretty sure Quinnipiac posted them. Yeah, fair play to them. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, just I don't know. It it's gonna be something that I'm probably gonna bring up in a little bit later in the episode, but. When our, us on shootouts, man, we're 0 for 6. You know what I mean? Like we, Yeah, AIC and this, the, right? Between the AIC yeah. game and this game, we have not scored a single shootout goal, which, granted, in both instances, you're really just doing it just for the sake of doing a shootout. You know what I mean? Like, for, for pairwise implications and all that fun stuff, it was going to be a tie regardless. This is mm-hmm. kind of just for the sake of doing it. But For the trophy. Yeah, I think it kind of bleeds into something that I've noticed a bit more with the team. You know, and it's just, like I said, I'll, we'll talk about it in a little yeah. bit. But, yeah, it, it definitely was not encouraging knowing that when when you're one-on-one with the Tendi in, in these sorts of, like, really clutch moments here where you can, you know, secure, you know, basically the whole reason At why At least a big mental swing, exactly. swing. Yeah, yeah that, that would be really huge to get. I mean... We just we just couldn't get it done, which really sucked. You know what I mean? Like, again, just the ability to claw our way back to even get to the point that we were at to begin with, fair enough. You know, like tied the game up, huge. But yeah, it just it really sucked in the moment. I was very dejected for a solid five minutes afterwards. Just didn't even want to get up out of my seat. Yeah. And then I went from that to screaming obscenities outside five minutes later. So <laughs> crazy how things change, but. Yeah, it was definitely a it was a good game overall and again, you know, realistically it was not a bad result. Yeah. But in the moment, tough pill to swallow. It's just frustrating when a, a shootout that's not really a a hockey aspect yeah. um decides what uh like obviously the outcome is a tie, but like the trophy and like the mental psyche of these players, like we saw some of the boys after this game and they they were dejected. They were they were acting like they had just lost in regulation. Yeah. Um and it's it's from one silly goal in a silly game mode that you're playing. So um tough to see. We won't harp on it too much, just annoying. Obviously if we won we've been in we would have mentioned this, but we've been like, Oh, we won like good vibes all around. Of but um I still think very solid weekend from UMass. They showed a ton of positives. I I love the fight back in the third. You just love to see tie in games, so um yeah overall solid weekend in belfast looked like the the team had a great time in the stops that they made we had a great time with our umass contingent um and the the traveling that we're doing so uh i I guess being stepping away from this weekend uh definitely more of a positive swing than 
negative. Yeah, no, it was definitely, I mean, we still have the momentum in our favor going forward, especially, like we said, you know, two very important opponents and matchups, you know, later on this coming week. So that's going to be huge to go to, you know, hopefully we get some very, very needed and important hockey East points coming out of those games because right now, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we're, we're not looking hot in, in the hockey standing. So we got to get as many points as we can from, from these upcoming games to even have a sniff at the top half. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's, that's huge, you know, but as long as, you know, we're still playing well enough and, you know, our pairwise is still looking solid. You know, I'm not some crazy bracketologist guy that does all the algorithms and I'm not, you know, this crazy smart math guy with all that stuff, but I understand how important it is. And, you know, we, we still looking back on it, our losses this season, I've still been against really, really top, top level teams right now in terms of pairwise. So it's, it's still encouraging to look at. So I still think we're, we're putting ourselves in a pretty solid spot. Yeah. Looking at it as a whole, there's not, there's no bad losses. Like all of the losses are to solid teams. Yeah. Uh, you got like Merrimack, Providence, BU, and uh, yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah, literally. So, and I mean, granted, the the losses themselves were bad losses. Yeah. But I think we were we were really harsh on the Merrimack, you know, loss to begin with, thinking, guys, it's Merrimack. What the hell? And they were they're twelve know, right now. Exactly. Like that, we were saying that a lot because in previous years, you know, Merrimack was not a great team, mm-hmm. and the, the coach's preseason poll was not friendly to them whatsoever. We so, questioned that, to, yeah. to be fair. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And that was because they had really good success last yeah. season, and we weren't sure if they were going to, you know... Nobody really knew if they were going to be able to continue it, and yeah. we were kind of just trusting the coach's poll, you know, to kind of say... They, they most likely know what they're talking about, so we're like, guys, we should probably... No, I think we, were, we were singing Merrimack's praises in that episode, if a I little bit, correctly. Yeah, 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 but I mean... I I think maybe that was just me then, but after you know after the loss, I was like, guys, what the hell? You know, like, yeah, yeah. Obviously, like you know, we know that Merrimack plays us really tough regardless. But I think we, if anything, I was thinking more like it would be a bad pairwise loss, just because normally yeah. Merrimack's not the greatest pairwise team ever. But I'm pretty sure BU was ranked number one for a while. I think at the time that they beat us, they were ranked number one in that. So and same with Providence, they're like a I think they're a top ten pairwise team right now. So I mean. Like you said, no major bad losses for the most part, and hopefully we can continue that that trend against you know Lowell because that's that's going to be in a really important game. You know, like we're coming off of just beating them in Belfast, now we're going to bring them back to Mullins in the whiteout game too. Exactly, like so that, that's expecting be a big crowd, huge atmosphere. We got to get all the students, all yeah. the fans out there. That's going to be a huge one. I'm hoping that the weather's going to be nice, so no one's deterred from going. Hopefully, the weather's not a whiteout as yeah, well. Exactly. There yeah. we go. Now we're getting the jokes in, but uh. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that game, though. Yeah, and there's some more to take away from this series, too. After the game, uh, we heard Coach Carville sing the praises of Luke Pavisic and actually say he's the guy going forward. That's mm-hmm. something that we didn't get all year, and the um, solid, really solid performance in this um, in this friendship for is credit to that. He gave up one goal against Lowell, which is a normal goal, um, and the two goals against Quinnipiac were both power plays that um, – the team kind of let him down, just putting the, the one less guy out there on defense. So um, good for Luke Pavisic. He wins Hockey East goaltender of the week again, too. So a yep. uh, good weekend for him overall. And honestly, I'm glad to see the teams going in one direction and saying that we have a guy. Yeah. I mean, I think we all kind of expected it at mm-hmm. some point. It was definitely, you know, I think it was more of a matter of when rather than if, mm-hmm. you know, like obviously 
you got to make a decision at some point, but I think it was a matter of how much of a leash is Garvey going to give to either of them to kind of become the guy, you know what I mean? And I think finally someone's broken away. I think the main issue that we had was that both goalies started off really good and then they both got really bad, like, at all at the same time. Like, they were basically swapping games that they were getting pulled. You know, like, that was how bad it got at one point. So. Their save percentage still stayed up there. It was just it did, yeah. the defense allowed way too exactly. many shots. But that's the problem is that exactly. you, really, you can't rock with a guy if they're both yeah. being yanked. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just it's not a good message to send. So now that we've had a bit more consistency in the net, you know, I'm pretty, Paz played the past three games, two or less goals in each one of the past three games. He's, he's, he's locked it down for now. You know, he definitely, you know, I I think that was probably what I expected if you were to ask me what would happen yeah. at the beginning of the season was Pav would have locked it down. I think I picked him for being yeah. goalie of the season. So it all kind of makes sense, you know what I mean? So, you know, happy for him. I think that's huge. I think it'll be a big boost kind of just kind of understanding, especially like just from, from the defense and, you know, just all the skaters on the ice to begin with. I think knowing who's going to be in the net and just kind of, getting used to having one guy like you know how he's going to play the puck you know how he's going to communicate how he's going to yell things out to everybody i think i think consistency is really key sometimes and i think at moments you know especially throughout the losing streak we didn't have the consistency so i think having that back will, will be a big boost going forward yeah i think so too let's uh let's jump into our awards so um first award that we like to give out is the ccc Carvel's Character and Compete Award. Uh, and keep in mind, these awards are for both games of the Friendship Four, even though they're two different opponents. Um, our CCC Award is going to go to Kenny Connors. He had a fantastic weekend. He scored both goals for UMass in the first game. He had a primary assist on Taylor's goal in the second game. He was great in the faceoff dot, and he wins Hockey East Rookie of the Week after all that. So um, just a phenomenal weekend for him yet again, and we're we're seeing really good things that we did not expect at the beginning of this season. No, I mean he's making him. He's making a case for himself for player. You know, like UMass Player of the Year. I guess if we're gonna you know make an award out of it or whatever. Like he he's been he's been our best skater. Simple as that. You know he's been scoring. He's been assisting. He's been doing his thing on the faceoff dot. He's basically in my mind become the Lapina replacement. Yeah. And I did not think we were gonna get that this season. I was expecting that out of Josh Nodler. Um. Which I mean, granted, fair play to him. Like he's he's been, you know, decent enough. Like especially in the faceoff dot. Like we noticed mm-hmm. that you know earlier on in the season, and that was kind of why I thought he was gonna have that sort of Lapina like impact. But yeah, I mean, right now it's been Kenny Connors. He's been all over the ice. You know, making solid defensive plays, really solid. You know, moves in inside the faceoff dot as well. He's just been an extremely solid player. You know, I mean. Nobody really expected that, even on his draft night, you know what I mean? Like, people were thinking he could be, like, a seventh-round guy, maybe, or something like that. Dude gets picked in the fourth round, and everybody was like, whoa, where like where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing why, you know what I mean? He's clearly a very, very talented player, and he still has a lot of room to grow, and I think he's going to certainly reach that sort of high potential that clearly everybody's seeing in him right now. He's looked amazing. He has looked fantastic, and of note, he... uh the lines got switched up a bit with Taylor coming back to the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, the third line right now is Kenny Connors, Taylor McCarr, and Cole O'Hara, and they contributed to um, three of the four goals that UMass scored this weekend. So they look phenomenal together. I'm pretty excited to see more of that line, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, I think 
just so I'm trying to think off the top of my head. So that's basically just a straight swap between Taylor McCarr and Tyson Dick on the freshman yeah. line. Tyson Dick was not in the lineup for Belfast. Yeah, he he did not play, which is interesting. Yeah. I think I'm not really sure what to make of that. I don't know if there's like behind this, you know, like I don't know, maybe it could have been like just like a simple practice thing. Maybe he just wasn't practicing well. Maybe he was hurt. Who the hell knows? But yeah, I mean, you, it, I, I find it very interesting just right off the bat that we take one of our younger effectively one of our smaller players as well. I think he's only like 5'10", maybe 5'11", you know, like 160. I've made jokes on Twitter before. You know, he needs to bulk up a little bit. Haha, <laughs> Dick needs to get bigger. He he, funny. Like, whatever. Get that out of your, I'm getting that out of my system now. Nice. Um, and we replace him with basically one of our biggest guys on the ice. You know what I mean? Like, Taylor's massive human being, and he, he flies all around the ice. So I think you're kind of getting two pretty different just – sized players and I think just overall different skill sets I think McCarr is much much stronger on the puck and I think that allows him to kind of set himself up and make more plays and I think everybody on that line is just greatly benefiting from that I think one of the big weak points of that freshman line even though they were you know playing very very well early on and they were contributing so many points early on in the season I think one of the big issues and I don't want to just completely call out Tyson Dick here but like he did lose the puck very often mm-hmm. as, as many times as he would make very solid plays and, you know, make really cool moves in between defensemen and stuff like that. For every one time that would happen, he'd probably lose the puck two to three times. And that would just kill all sort of offensive momentum that we would have at that, at that time. So I think having somebody that's a bit more steady and sturdy on the puck and won't be prone to losing it as much, I think was a big help to that line. And I think we saw that a lot this weekend. Yeah. And I, uh, I have some potentially alarming news. I uh, I had I checked the lines for both games just to um, make sure I was saying the right thing about the Connors Makar O'Hara line. And in game one, Cole Brady is listed as the second goalie, so the backup goalie. And in game two, he's listed as the third string goalie. And I just noticed that. Hold and, on, and it, give me your phone. I want to see this it, for myself. It might be just a typo or something like that, but he's listed as the third string goalie in the second game. Hmm. <clears throat> All right. High character breaking news moment. Um, <laughs> I didn't even notice that. That's a little, see the only thing that like, that makes me a little concerned because one wouldn't think right off the bat that that would be like a typo. Like you have to like, it's the official line, but like... no, yeah, but that's what I'm saying though. Yeah. Is, like, it's not even like a case of like, oh, maybe whoever made the lineup just said, I'm going to do this the easiest way, and maybe it reformatted itself automatically. But that makes no sense because... This is the first game it was... Exactly, for the first game, it was the normal way. So that means you would have had to have made a conscious effort to switch it up for the second game. Yeah, because I don't think any of the other lines changed. Like, yeah, if they didn't change, then what? They didn't. Everything is the same. That's super weird. There might be something going on behind the scenes there that we're not privy to, but that yeah, that caught my eye. That's yeah, odd. and honestly, in in the same vein, it could be absolutely nothing. Yeah, and take it with a, take it with a grain of salt. Pure speculation, yeah. but that is definitely something odd of note. Yeah. I will say that. So I agree with you there. That's a little weird. But Interesting. Yeah, I've honestly completely lost my train of thought. So we're gonna have to get back on track to what we were talking about before. Yeah. So. Uh... 
Congratulations, Kenny Connors. Yeah, great, on the great CCC. job, Kenny. Yeah, I this award just completely devolved into madness on yeah. side tangents, but woohoo, Kenny, good job. <laughs> Let's go. All right, so that is our CCC award. The next award that we give out is Good Try UMass Award. Somebody we think that can improve a little bit for the next game out there. Um, and this one is going to go to Eric Faith. He gets uh, pulled up to the first line with Cal Keith, you can read Lebster for both of these games. And uh, just a little disappointing. He had a penalty in both games. Uh, the team had six on the weekend. He had two of them. And his penalty late in the third is the one that led to the go-ahead goal for Quinnipiac in game two. So um, it's just it's not what you want to see from your top line center and your captain. It's not it's not setting a good example, especially when the penalties are that big uh, in the game. Yeah, I like to think about captain's contributions. Like any any time that a captain does something on on a team, I always get super hyped because like that's supposed to be like the guy that's kind of setting the standard and doing things the right way. And I mean, I'm not trying to say that Eric Faith is not doing things the right way, but I think there's just been a lot of mistakes. Simple as that. You know, what I mean, like really the only like he's been giving up a fair amount of penalties. I still think that he's playing hard enough, and you know, he's back checking and you know hitting. That's kind of been more of his role. Has been more physical, but. I don't know. I just think, like, another thing that you kind of want out of your centers, too, and, I mean, we, we harp on it a lot here when we talk about these games, is I, I think face-offs are super important. And the first game against Lowell, fair enough. He looked very solid in the dot. I think it was, like, 60 or 70% in the dot. Mm-hmm. Good job. That's what we want. Awesome stuff. I'm pretty sure, and granted, this wasn't just a, a, a him problem in the second game. I think across the board, I think if your name wasn't Kenny Connors, you were below 50% in the face-off dot in the second game as well. Two so, for seven for Faith in the second game. And that's really not what you want to see either. I mean, I just think there have been times this season where just he, he either – you don't really notice him all that much, and I don't know, maybe that just means that I'm not specifically looking at him, but, like, he either has games where I just – I don't think that he did good or bad, or I think he did do bad. I don't really – I just don't really think there's been many moments this season where he's, like, shined, and I'm like, wow, Faith had a really, really good game. Like, he stood out to me. And I think this was just another case of, like, you know, the penalties kind of added up over the course of the weekend, and I don't really think he had that many amazing moments to kind of outshine that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, usually you can kind of look at the good with the bad and kind of equal out to having a pretty decent weekend on the whole, but I just think he had a lot of just, eh, moments and then those bad ones kind of just shine a lot more because you really don't have many good moments to balance it out and I mean I think I can I can I don't feel as bad about being critical because he is the captain and I feel like we kind of have to hold the captain to a higher standard like that you know obviously you want to hold the whole team to a very high standard you know that's that's what this program's all about but I just think if you want to be able to 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 set an example for the rest of the team you got to be the guy to lead the way and I think if you're not that guy to lead the way and you're having a bad game, it's just not a good look as, as a whole. And, I mean, granted, obviously everybody else elevated their play because we got a win and and a draw this weekend that, you know, very well could have been a shootout win. I think, you know, the team as a whole still played very well, and I don't think they let, you know, the, the captain's, you know, meh performance kind of get to them. But I just think, you know, mentally that's something that just has to be improved upon. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think uh, we're not questioning for a second his role as the captain off the no. ice or anything no. like that. It's just you you want to if you if you have that mistake if that mistake is gonna happen you kind of hope it's a 
it's a freshman making it and not a, a senior captain. It's just exactly. it's tough when you're when you put your team in uh, behind the eight ball like that and they end up getting scored with a goal ahead goal. So yep. um, the award kind of has to go there for for this weekend. All right, so time for our custom awards. We each have a custom award, um, and I I guess I'll go first. I am giving out the top lads award. We're in the UK for these games. Um, use a little British slang for you there. Um, and this one is going to two people. It's going to Taylor McCarr and Aaron Bollinger. Both of those guys were injured before this weekend. They both came back this weekend, and it was pretty clear their presence on the ice. We saw Taylor get involved with a couple goals, scored one himself. Uh, Bollinger rock solid on defense. We saw him get an assist in the second game, pretty sure. So, uh, yeah, just really nice to have those two back, and they're – Presence is instantly felt again, which is really nice. Yeah, and I mean, they they definitely, like you said, kind of had their presence felt. I mean, I was really upset when Taylor couldn't play last weekend. You know, that was really, really unfortunate because I always talk about him kind of being a, a really big spark because cause every now and then he'll just turn on the Jets and just try and make a play. And I think the whole team kind of gets energized as a result of that. And Bollinger... He's one of our oldest guys on our defense. You know what I mean? Like, it's as simple as that. You kind of need him to be one of the leading guys going forward because he kind of just understands, you know, our defensive system and how we play better than most others just because he's been around here much longer than most others. So I think kind of having both of their of their presences, you know, come back, especially in these games, was a huge boost to the team. And I'm very happy that uh, we're, we're getting – a cleaner bill of health slowly as we kind of progress through the season. I think that's huge. Yeah, so just really happy to see him back, and they were some some top lads this weekend. They, for they sure. certainly were. All right, what is your custom award? I don't even know the best way to name this. I guess, I guess the term would be like, I guess the the toxic relationship award or something <laughs> like that. I mean, this is gonna be this is gonna take a second. All right, as most of my custom awards go, I'm gonna have to explain a little bit. Sometimes if you're in a really tough relationship. Sometimes you guys need some space, and then sometimes the other person doesn't want the space, and it just gets really awkward. That's kind of how I feel, and I don't even know who I'm giving this to. I'm giving it to the whole team, basically. That's just how awkward this award is. But disregarding Taylor's uh, basically breakaway goal this weekend, because it's kind of ironic that I'm making this the award now, even though we did score in a breakaway. The whole premise of this award is that whenever we're in with a metric crap ton of space and we have the opportunity to shoot the puck. I've noticed for the most part, we either shoot the puck wide, whether we're in on a breakaway or like a two-on-one and the guy like the guy defending it has to basically only cover the pass and we have a wide open shot. I just don't know what it is about this team, but just our ability to, to get accurate, powerful shots onto the net just completely disappears when we don't have traffic in front of the net. I don't understand what is going on. I don't know if it's a mental thing or if like, just we need to just take more reps at shooting, you know, and trying to pick the corners of the net. But it just seems like in a lot of in a lot of moments we have a wide open net to shoot at, or you know, not necessarily wide open, but we have a whole section one on one with the goalie. Exactly. And These the shootouts play into this award exactly. as well. Yeah, I'm, I was gonna get to that. Yeah. It just always seems like we just try and shoot center mass at the goalie, and we just pray that the goalie misses it rather than us like pick our shots and go bar down and do some crazy stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's been something that I've noticed. Like, like I said, we were, we were 0 for 6 in shootouts so far this season in, in our attempts. That's, 
I don't think the fact that it's in a shootout is the most important thing here, but just the fact that we have all of these one-on-one just decisive opportunities and we haven't been able to kind of just get a nice clean snipe away, you know, or mm-hmm. even just make a crazy good move and just dangle the goalie's jockstrap out of his pants. You know, like, we just haven't been able to have that sort of killer instinct in these sort of clutch moments. You know, I sometimes... I feel more comfortable when we have the puck in the offensive zone and we flip a little wrister that's going 45 miles an hour on net. Mm-hmm. I think in a lot of cases that's genuinely a higher percentage chance for us. And that shouldn't be the case. You know what I mean? Like It kind of plays into what we were talking about earlier this season where we just seem like we're sometimes too unselfish with the puck and we rely on that cross-crease pass so we can just have the entire open net to just slap the puck into on a, on a mm-hmm. whim. Like, the moment that the goalie is stanced up in front of us, we're nervous. Like, I don't I don't, I don't know what the issue is, but... I, I think I might have an answer. All right. Well, and it, I'd love to hear it. It stems from something that Coach Carville told us in our conversation with him in uh, a previous episode. If you haven't heard that, definitely go check that out. Let's hear it. But uh, he mentioned... Um, not necessarily not being able to recruit the top tier skill players, but um, the teams that he likes to put together aren't necessarily the highest skill guys, the highest hockey skill guys. He likes the guys that work the best together and like can do the best as a team on and off the ice, the high character guys, as you will. So um, I think it might be a product of just not having that high end scoring skill. This team works a lot better together. So when you get in those one-on-one with the goalie chances, you kind of see that come out a little bit. Um, it's been a little drastic this year so far. Yeah. Like you said, 0 for 6 on the shootouts and just a couple opportunities in games. So um, that's it. That's the only way I think can think of that being the it, reason. And that's completely fair. I mean, I've noticed especially – I mean, I know this isn't going to be a problem forever. Like, I mean, we're, we don't just talk about – the games that happen, you know, for UMass, but we look at recruiting, we're looking at everything that revolves around this team, you know, like we try and talk about recruits and stuff whenever possible. I think we drop usually one or two recruiting like committal posts a week now, you know, we've started to incorporate that into our skill set, if you will. So, I mean, I know just looking at some of the guys that we have in the pipeline that are coming in the next year or two, we got skill coming. And I I know that. So I know for a fact that this is not going to be, a long-term issue you know what I mean like some of the guys like I know you know we have a couple of guys in the pipeline right now that are coming through they genuinely at 16 17 years old have NHL ready shots like Mm -hmm. we haven't seen that in my opinion since John Leonard and that's that's the guy that I always think of when I think of guys that have that killer shooting instinct. You know, we mm-hmm. had a wonderful conversation with him. If anybody wants to check out that interview, we can, <laughs> we can just plug every interview that we've done uh, so far. I mean, they're going to be relevant at some point when we talk about these games. High, char- high character apparel just released their website. We're going to plug everything right now. Yeah, just get it over <laughs> with. Just might as well. You're going to be the one splicing all this stuff together anyway, so yeah. you can do it all on post. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean... We, we definitely have skill on the way. And, I mean, that's not to discredit the guys that are already on the team. We're, we're still able to score goals at the end of the day. It's just I'm highlighting the fact that we just – we we score in situations where sometimes I feel like we shouldn't, and then we don't score in the situations that I feel like we should. It's like we're a very mixed bag in right. that in that regard. It's and, just at a point where it's noticeable. Like exactly. You can see and the that's, trend that's right now. That's why I wanted to bring it up. And yeah. I, mean, I feel like I've completely just delved across the original custom award format that I've even tried to set out. Like, what did I even start? It's a toxic relationship. <laughs> and now I'm talking about 
a 16-year-old with killer shots that are going to be coming in two years. Like, <laughs> I, I, just, I don't know what's going on anymore. But, yeah, I really do think that sometimes we just need to, especially when we have, you know, a lot of space around us, it seems like sometimes we just don't want it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because you got to just be able to settle the puck down and just take a, a very concentrated, nice shot every now and then. And I feel like we just been, we've been snatching at our chances when they come from really high percentage looks like that. And it it concerns me at times, you know what I mean? Because all of those other teams that we see, you know, top 10, top 15 pairwise teams, they're able to do that stuff. They're going to punish you if you give them the space. At, at moments this season, I don't feel the same way about UMass, and I feel like that can bite us in the ass at some point. So regardless of all the positives that we take away from this weekend, I think, you know, Cam's award was a very complimentary, happy award, and I think I think I got I to gotta play the realist a little bit here. I think there are still things that we need to certainly improve upon, and as always, I trust in the coaching and, you know, just the overall team mentality. I, I We're going to figure it out. You know what I mean? It's going to take a little bit. We're still only in November. We mm-hmm. got. It's all about playing in Boston in March. You know what I mean? Like this. This season's kind of crawling by a little bit. You, it's only November. That's kind of crazy. Like it feels like I've been watching this team for six months at this point. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I've I've seen them play just so much overall. But yeah, it's it's definitely a part of the game that we certainly need to work on. And I think regardless of it being evident, you know, like not even just in this kind of weekend by itself you know like again taylor scored one fair enough but i think the shootout kind of just really highlighted it because the shootout kind of stunk for me the most here just because we we had something to play for you know what i mean like that was kind of the 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 crux of it all like if it was aic whatever no points were there it was just for the moral victory whatever i we could shut up the aic fans that would have been really cool because they were annoying the hell out of me (laughs) the the four fans were exactly and now all of a sudden Quinnipiac, they're ranked fourth, and now they have 4,000 fans that don't even... That all live in Northern Ireland. They don't even live in Connecticut. Like, <laughs> what is going on here? So, yeah, it was a bit it was a bit annoying. It wasn't wasn't my my happiest moment, but, again, it's just something that we can learn and grow from yeah. as, as this team always ends up doing. You yeah. know, we always want to play our best hockey towards the end of the season, and now we're finally back on that upward trend rather than the downward trend from before. So we'll figure it out. I know we will, but definitely... Had a had a toxic relationship with uh, some of our breakaway chances and two on one opportunities at at points this season. Yeah, good award. Yeah, very long winded and drawn out <laughs> award, but you know we finally we finally got there. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, about it from these games. We had a fantastic time in Belfast. Um, you're gonna get to see a lot of what we did in the vlogs. Uh, I expected to be able to get them out as the days went on, but. I mentioned in the last episode the Wi-Fi out in the internet out here is terrible, so mm-hmm. um, not able to get all of those out. When once we get back from Europe, I'll start pumping those out, and you can guys can can relive our trip with us a little bit. But in Belfast, it was great. A lot of UMass fans that made the trip. A lot of uh, a lot of parents we got to interact with, which was cool. Um, everybody went to the same bar before and after each game, so it's a great atmosphere. We didn't get to interact much with some of the players kind of wanted to give them their space after that loss i uh, could see it weighing on them a little bit so um hopefully in the future we'll get more of that but overall fantastic time the 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 umass vibes were electric as always so uh i, I want to say couldn't have been happier could be a little bit happier oh, without went with the the shootout outcome but uh 
pretty pretty close to perfect weekend, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I was again still very happy overall with how how everything went down. I mean, if if I'm being quite honest with myself, I wasn't really expecting a whole lot. Like especially when we were kind of on our you know five game slide, and then like we we struggled against UNH for a good chunk of that game. You know what I mean? So. I realistically, like, I, I still had doubts in my mind. You know what I mean? Like, I definitely, again, always going to back the team, always have my 100%, 110% support whenever. But things were not looking good. And I think we, we've certainly we've bounced back and then some. I think I think that's, it's been a really, really big, I think, I think moment both mentally and physically for the team, I think it was really good for them mentally to kind of just reset a little bit you know, brand new kind of experience for everybody. They got some time to kind of relax and unplug from a lot of the hockey stuff. You know, like they still did a lot of hockey stuff with, you know, outreach to the to the local Belfast community and all that stuff. I think they were like going and seeing like elementary schools and stuff, like yeah. trying to reach out to the kids. Really cool stuff. That's what it's all about, you know, and that's awesome. But I think it was huge for them to just kind of, you know, have a little bit of a, of a of a vacation. You know what I mean? Kind of like what we're doing right now. I think I think that's that's been really good for them to kind of put a, put everything behind them. You know what I mean? Like whenever there's kind of a new event, you know, something special that goes on in, in the schedule, that kind of marks a shift from everything that happened before. Now we kind of start a new chunk of the season, and I think we we started off this new chunk of the season on a really good note. So I'm happy for that, but. Yeah, especially because I was a little bit, you know, worried before before these games and completely blew away my expectations and definitely uh, upgraded their level of play from how it looked before. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah, so uh, that's all we got. Um, like I said, check out our YouTube vlogs that will be coming out sometime soon for everything that we did on this trip. We're in London right now. We have a um, the two Belfast vlogs, but also one in Dublin and three days in London. So uh some good it'll be some good t content for sure we hope you guys can check that out but other than that um thank you guys for listening and go umass go umass take care everybody we'll see y'all at mullins this saturday